Thank you for downloading and listening to the Briam Bible Church Sunday Morning Podcast. Briam Bible Church is located in Shoreline, Washington, morning worship at 11, and many more events throughout the week. For more information, please visit our website at www.bereanshoreline.org. Uh, this is helpful. I went to the doctor um, a couple weeks ago, and uh, for since I've stopped growing, I've always been six foot two inches tall. And you know they measure you when you go in there, and I was six one and a half. It's, uh, I know. So I was going to make some joke about my eyesight not being able to read down that far too, but not that old yet. Um, but it made me feel like, okay, I'm not so short. I was somewhere, uh, I was at Seiko Field uh, like about a month ago, and there was a guy who was like 6'10", uh, and just just enormous. And I think, oh, that's what like a shorter person, how they see me on a regular basis. And it's just, it's weird for me. Anyway, that has nothing to do with anything. Um, but, but here we are. Welcome again. Um, to this Sunday is... Um, does anybody know what this Sunday is in the church calendar? I heard some whispers. Pentecost. Yes, today is Pentecost. Um, and uh, Pentecost is the day in which the, the church celebrates the uh, coming of the Holy Spirit upon the apostles and, and God's giving of the Holy Spirit to, uh, to us. And, um, and so this is a, a, a historic, it happened 50 days, uh, penta, meaning 50, um, 50 days after Christ's resurrection. Uh, but it also was a Jewish holiday before that. And the Jewish holiday, uh, it was this descriptions and explanations for the law, but eventually it came to be the celebration of when the people of Israel, uh, after they had come out of Egypt, they came to Mount Sinai and Pentecost became a celebration for the moment in which God gave the law to his people at the foot of Mount Sinai. And so it's fitting that as we gather today that we are uh, in First Thessalonians, and we have been for the last couple weeks, and we still have another couple weeks, talking about the word of God and, and this gift that God's word is to us and what it, what it is meant to do for us. So uh, our verse from last week, um, we'll put this up here. This is a verse that we looked at last week, Second uh, Timothy three sixteen and 17. You, if you haven't memorized, you can close your eyes and say it, or you can just read along with me. Let's say this together. All scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness, so that the man of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. Good. And uh, if you haven't already, I invite you to turn to 1 Thessalonians chapter 2. We'll look at our verse for today. And that is this. And we also thank God continually, because when you received the word of God, which you heard from us, you accepted it not as a human word, but as it actually is the word of God, which is indeed at work in you who believe. So we're going to talk about this, this verse today. This is obviously, if, if, as you look at this, you see that we're right in the middle of a context of Paul is writing a letter. He's giving thanks, giving to God for this, the lives of the Thessalonians and their response to the word of God. So I want us to talk about this a little bit this morning and um, just spend a few moments to talk about what is this message that they heard and then what did they, what did they do with it? They said, 
uh, you heard it from us. You accepted it as not as a human word, but as the word of God, which is at work in you who believe. And so we're going to talk about those three things this morning. We're going to talk about uh, what was the word that they received? What does it mean that it was received as the word of God rather than a human word? And then what does it mean for this word to be at work in their lives? And, and hopefully, again, what does that mean for that word to be at work in our lives as well this morning? So let's let's just dive in and do that. So, uh, first of all, what is this message that they heard? Uh, turn in your Bibles. I know I just had you go to First Thessalonians. Keep a finger there, but turn back to Acts chapter 17. Acts chapter 17 records this first visit of Paul to the to the Thessalonians, this uh, Thessalonica, and. And this is what we're told in, in Acts chapter 17. It says, When Paul and his companions had passed through Amphipolis and Apollonia, they came to Thessalonica, where there was a Jewish synagogue. As was his custom, Paul went into the synagogue, and on three Sabbath days he reasoned with them from the Scriptures, explaining and proving that the Messiah had to suffer and rise from the dead. This Jesus I am proclaiming to you is the Messiah, he said. Some of the Jews were persuaded and joined Paul and Silas, as did a large number of God-fearing Greeks and quite a few prominent women. So this is this is it. This is in a nutshell. I, I assume Paul's sermon was a little bit longer than what we have here um, of this Jesus I'm proclaiming to you as the Messiah. I assume there's a little bit more detail to that. But essentially, what Paul has been doing is he went into the synagogue in Thessalonica for three weeks, and he's talking with them about... What the Old Testament scriptures had to say. And he's explaining how these Old Testament scriptures pointed towards this Messiah that the Jewish people had been waiting for. That they were expecting this Messiah means uh, anointed one. Your translation might say Christ, which is the Greek translation of that same that same word. And and this anointed one from God was going to come. And the, for the Jews, they had this expectation that this anointed one from God is going to come and he's going to, he's going to bring salvation. And what Paul is explaining to them is that what the, actually the Old Testament scriptures were pointing towards was that this Messiah was going to come and he was going to suffer. And rather than liberating them from their oppressors, he was going to suffer and die, but, but eventually he was going to rise from the dead. And he says, this Jesus that I'm telling you about, this one who did these things, who came and lived among us, suffered and died and was raised to life. And this is the content of this word that Paul is preaching to them. And then uh, if you flip that now back to First Thessalonians, we have a little bit more context. Just before, uh, just before our verse for today in First Thessalonians chapter 2, we're told this in verse, in verse 10 of First Thessalonians 2, You are witnesses... And so is God of how holy, righteous, and blameless we were among you who believed. For you know that we dealt with each of you as a father deals with his own children, encouraging, comforting, and urging you to live lives worthy of God, who calls you into his kingdom and glory. So we have a couple things that are the content of the message. There's the word that Paul is speaking to them that they're receiving. First of all, it's, it's the word of the gospel, the good news that Jesus Christ came and brought salvation to the world. Amen. The second thing is now, because this has happened, 
Paul is encouraging, comforting them, challenging them, urging them to live lives worthy of the work of Jesus Christ. So this is the content that they had received. First of all, the work of the gospel of of Jesus Christ. And now because of the work, respond by living a life worthy. And so the next question is, what does it mean to live a life worthy of this calling? What is is it that Paul... Well, Paul uh, writes a lot of letters. And in uh, his letters to the Ephesians, he says this about what it means to live a life worthy of the calling. He says, I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you've received. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. This isn't the only place where Paul gives a little bit more detail about what it means to live a life worthy of this calling that we receive. But it's, it's a good enough one to, to summarize for us to hold this aspect in mind. He expands on this other ways. But just for our purposes this morning, humility, gentleness, patience, bearing with one another in love. Make every effort to keep unity of the spirit through the bond of peace. So again, here's the content of Paul's message, which he says to them, you received this word of God, which you heard from us. The work of Jesus Christ, his salvation, the fact that the Messiah came and suffered and died, but did not stay dead, was raised to life. And our response to that, to live worthy of this calling of of the work of Christ is be humble, be gentle, be patient, bearing with one another in love making every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. So this is the content. This is what they received. And now what did they do with it? He says, you heard this word from us. You accepted it. And they accepted it not as a human word, but as it actually is the word of God. They gave this word that Paul brought to them weight. They gave it authority. Uh, We looked at a verse from last week. The word of God is living and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. The idea that this word is is moving and it has the, the power and the possibility to transform our lives. We looked at uh, that was that was a couple weeks ago. Last week, we looked at that this word is useful. It's useful for teaching, rebuke, correcting, training in righteousness, so that we may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. And this is what it means to receive this word as a word of God, that we give it that weight. We give it that authority. We allow it to do its work to penetrate our lives. We allow it to do the work to train, to correct to rebuke, to teach, so that we may be equipped. And there are a lot of words out there in our world, aren't there? We live in the information age. I think they are still calling it that, where you get bombarded with all kinds of messages and and you pull out your phone and there's all kinds of information all over the place. And the differentiation that Paul makes is that this word, this word of the gospel... This word to live lives worthy of the gospel is different from all of those other words that we receive throughout our life. That those words are human words. 
But these words are the words of God, and they are meant to carry authority and weight. These are the things that ought to influence our understanding and our way of walking and living in this world. You may be aware, you probably have been hearing about this idea that uh, so often we live in uh, what they're calling an echo chamber. That, that our own understanding and our, and our own views of the world, we end up finding and socializing with people who are going to confirm those views of, of our world. And so we might have an opinion and the people that we share our opinion with are going to echo that opinion back to us. And if we disagree with them, then we find ways to, to sever ties or to not listen to what they have to say to us. This sort of self-perpetuating feeling that we are right and the people who disagree with us are wrong. Have, how many of you have ever experienced something like that before? Yeah, this is, this is how we interact. This is, uh, the, I mean, all this phenomena that they're talking about over the last year on social media and stuff like that, this confirmation. In fact, I, I heard a study, uh, heard about a study not too long ago that says that when we are presented with opposing facts, so here's, here's an, you have an opinion about whatever. You're presented with opposing facts that, that actually, they say, well, the science shows that, this is, that you're actually wrong about this. Uh, more often than not, all of us, not some of us, all of us, are more inclined to become more convinced of what we already believed than being convinced by facts. And this is, this is again, this is not... Uh, I'm not trying to get into like fake news, whatever. Like this is just uh, whatever, whatever opinions we have. Very often, those opinions, rather than being swayed by facts, uh, we re-entrench ourselves into a deeper conviction to what we believed to be true all along. And this is the way that this is just the way that we're wired. This is the way that we work. But what Paul is saying, what we've been looking at here is that the weight of scripture the weight of the word of god is meant to break us out of that echo chamber Uh, so often even in scripture we come to scripture with a basic understanding that yeah maybe i have some things in my life that i need to work on but for the most part i'm doing okay and we read scripture oftentimes even as a as a means to confirm our own opinions and our own thoughts and our own ideas. But that what Paul is, is inviting the Thessalon- or is saying that the Thessalonians did and what we're being invited to when, in, when we read 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17 is to hear it to allow the word of God, this God-breathed word to have authority in our lives to actually correct where we've gone wrong, to actually rebuke where we have, may have missed the mark. And to move us onward in training so that we may do good in our world. And how do we do this today? What does this look like? Uh, I think this looks like, the, this, or this is what happens, rather, when the word of God is at work in us. We, Paul, Paul tells him, which is indeed, this word is at, indeed at work in you. This is what the, how the word works in us. It actually changes. It transforms. It leads us towards something new. 
What do we do with this in our in our echo chamber society? How do we do this? Uh, I just just yesterday uh, yesterday's Seattle Times we had uh, the the school shooting in Santa Fe. Uh, we had uh, on the front page we had conversation about the head tax in Seattle. How many of you have an opinion on the head tax? Yeah, all of us, right? Uh, within that conversation is a conversation around what, what to do with homelessness. And you read through the, the newspaper and everybody, we all, I think we all have ideas about what is going on in these situations. If you hear about it, uh, politically, uh, socially, we have opinions. But we are being invited here by Paul, by the word of God, to not be shaped by our opinions, but to be shaped by the Word of God. Well, the Word of God doesn't talk about a head tax. I mean, there are taxes in Scripture, but the Word of God uh, doesn't address school shootings. But the message of the gospel, the message that was preached to the Thessalonians, the work of the gospel, the work of Jesus Christ, who came and died on our behalf, And the message to live a life worthy of that calling by being humble and gentle and patient and bearing with one another in love. This message that has been preached to us, that is contained in the word of of the word of God, can speak to those things. And we are invited to receive those things as the word of God. And that we are invited to hear those words with weight and the opinions and the thoughts and the ideas of, the, of ourselves and the people around us, the people on TV, the, whatever, uh, those are human words. And we're invited to, to read and understand our place in the story so that when we begin to think about these issues, not just these issues that I mentioned, but all of the issues that show up in our lives, in our workplaces, in school, uh, we, are, we are invited first and foremost to allow that word to shape how we approach the issue. And that doesn't make it easier. I think that actually makes it more complicated. Because what's easy is to just side with one ideal for, for a certain topic. But when we allow Scripture, well, there's, there's, it, it becomes complicated. And I'm not also saying that when we, when we do this, all of a sudden we're all going to come to the same conclusion about what's the solution to homelessness and head tax and all may come to very different conclusions. But are we coming to those conclusions because it's what our opinions are and what makes us feel good or how we think a society should work? Or are we coming to those conclusions because we're being shaped by the story of Scripture, by the story of the gospel of Jesus Christ at work in our lives, by the calling that we have to live a life worthy of that gospel? Are we allowing those things to shape how we understand our world? Do we allow and we receive the word of God with a greater weight in just some aspects of our lives? Or do we allow it to have weight in all of it? Do we allow it to correct where we've been wrong? Do we allow it to rebuke? Do we allow it to change and transform and train us 
into people who are becoming more and more transformed in the, into the image of Christ. What might it look like to read these stories? And instead of saying, oh, yeah, I can't believe that. To ask the question, what, what does it look like? How do I understand this story in light of God's anointed one who suffered and died and rose again for humanity? A God who loves uh, not just me, not just uh, my friends, but also my enemies. A God who came and ate and dined with the poor and the oppressed and the tax collectors who are doing the oppressing. A God who spent time with the Pharisees and the people that the Pharisees didn't want to have anything to do with. Can we read, can we understand, can we move through our world in light of this God? In light of our calling to live worthy of this message? Humbly, gently, patiently, seeking to keep this unity. And so we come to communion, and we do this uh, regularly throughout church, and, and as we come to communion, we reflect, we're invited to reflect once again on this gospel message. Christ's body that was broken for us, his blood that was poured out for us. And we're invited to, re- to reflect, to understand, to know again this word that was preached to us. That the Messiah had to suffer, the Messiah had to rise from the dead. So I want to invite the elders forward. We're going to share in communion. And as you uh, receive the bread and you're holding it as it's being passed around, uh, I invite you to reflect where in your life have you given more weight to human words rather than the word of God? And what is it that God and God's word is calling you today to correct, to rebuke, to say, I I want to give the proper weight to God's word. When we started this series on Foundational 50, uh, Pastor Jim, if you remember all the way back in January, he gave us the reminder of uh, eating the word of God. Uh, And when you eat something, it goes in your body and it changes you. This is a small piece of bread. It's probably not going to change you very much, but... Uh, the things that we eat change the way that our bodies are made up and, and work in us. And, and we're invited again to eat the Word of God, to allow it to change us. So as we eat together, I want to remind you again of the words that Paul wrote in 1 Corinthians chapter 11. He says, For I received from the Lord what I also passed on to you. The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Let's eat together. And as we prepare to receive uh, the cup, we're reminded of Christ's blood poured out for us. We're reminded of God's grace and his invitation. Paul said in Ephesians, he said, live lives worthy of of the life you were of your calling. This isn't something that we just fell into. 
But God chose us. He called us to this life. You're not here by accident. And you're called to live this life worthy because God feels you are capable of doing it. It's not easy, but we're called to submit to the word of to the word of scripture, to know Christ more fully, and to live this life worthy of the gospel. And so as you hold the cup, I invite you to reflect on what does it mean to be called? What does it mean that God has chosen me to live this life? What is he calling to me me to tomorrow, today, the next week, to live this life worthy of this calling? Paul continues in 1 Corinthians. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, This is the new covenant in my blood. Do this and remember, do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. Whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. We drink this cup proclaiming the work of the gospel, the lives that we've been called to. Let's drink together and proclaim again the work of God. God, we have um, come together in this place, this place you have uh, gathered your church for uh, well over 50 years now. We've shared in this practice that Believers have been practicing for thousands of years. We have eaten this bread and and drinking this juice as a reminder of your gospel. It's a very physical, tangible uh, way of remembering your very physical and tangible love for us. We pray that as we uh, move out from this place to the places that you are calling us, May we allow ourselves to submit to the weight of your word in our lives. When we're presented with opinions and ideas and thoughts towards policy or towards, uh, towards our neighbor, towards our classmates, God, may we first and foremost hear your words calling us to the gospel message. May we live worthy of that calling. Praise in your name. Amen. You may have heard me say this before. I love the Thessalonian story because uh, they're a very small church that uh, Paul had only been with them for a few weeks, maybe six weeks at the most. And yet the story of the way they responded to the word of God is such a challenge for us uh, every time I read it. He says earlier in 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, he uh, says, The Lord's message rang out from you, not only in Macedonia and Achaia. Your faith in God has become known everywhere. And it's my prayer and it's my hope for us that as we continue to be people who are grounded, submitting to the Word of God, allowing it to work in our lives, that our faith, our hope, and our love may ring out from this place So that the people in our neighborhoods, in our schools, may hear not just people with opinions about what's going on in our world, but may hear the word of God being spoken through us. 
may see people who have submitted themselves not to an ideology, but to the authority of Scripture. So may you allow God's word to work in your lives this week.